Welcome to the Love is a Trip podcast, where two life coaches talk the ups and the downs of love. Come enjoy the ride with Ash and Dad. Welcome to another episode of Love is a Trip podcast. Glad to have you back. This week, we are talking about expectations be tripping. Oh, man. You know, it's really important to think about our expectations in relationship because that's that's what decides what our experience is going to be, right? Right, right. And, and, you know, and it's such going on so much talk about it on social media about all of these expectations when it comes to relationships and what are some of the norms for you, Daph, like when it when you look at your experiences, how do you feel like the framework of romantic relationships for you has changed at this point in your life? Mm. Well, so I guess it, it started out, there were a lot of different things that influenced kind of where it started out. So there was my parents' marriage that I saw. Um, there was teachings in church. And also things in like media and society, like mm. Disney movies, honestly, mm. right? Okay. Like that Disney movies, the little TGIF shows, all of that kind of influenced how I thought about relationships and what to expect and what mm. I should be wanting or what I should be doing in relationships. All those things kind of influenced that, but that didn't all quite work out for me trying to fit into that box. Right, right. Yeah, I feel yeah. For I think I did the exact same thing. I think a lot of my expectations were patterned on just what I saw from my parents and just from my my grandparents as well. You know, just so many of those gender norms of what the man is supposed to do, what the woman is supposed to do, and then just what romantic relationships look like. You know, that's pretty much where I what I patterned how I expected my marriage to go. And of course, it didn't go that way at all. But that's what I, what you grow up seeing. You grow up seeing, like you said, the TGIF. We grow up seeing these little 30-minute bits of conflict and resolution and how mm-hmm. everything just kind of gets tied up in a nice little blow, bow within about 15 minutes of, you know, an episode on the show where somebody does a joke or a laugh track. And now they're back in love again. Ha, 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 you know? <laughs> and I think a lot of it that we don't really get to see is, conflict resolution in relationships and understanding what that looks like in a healthy way and how to really have those discussions with your partner soon and early in the game to figure out how this is going to work for you. One thing that I had a big thing that I had to adjust in my marriage was in my family, we are very um, expressive and when I when I get expressive and I and, th- and when I get excited, my voice goes up and it's, I'm not yelling, but my voice does elevate to a higher pitch. Well, my ex-husband was not used to that. He was not used to somebody that's so, you know, emotional, not emotional, but just like I move a lot. So my hands are going to be going. I'm going to be talking. You know, I my body, I have a physical reaction to things when I talk and when I get excited. And he wasn't like that. He was very quiet, you know, very controlled. And so when I would come home and I would have something to talk to him about and I'm like, well, what is this? And what is this? Well, you know, what are we doing like that? He would shut down and he would be like, stop Mm -hmm. yelling at me. And I'd be like, but I'm not yelling. My voice is just going up. It's just, you know, this is how I talk. 
And and I realized my dad does the exact same thing, you know, mm. like when he talks, but he's a he's a preacher. So you're used to when you're making a point, you elevate, you know, when you're when you're trying to really explain something, there's a, a certain cadence in your voice in the way that you do it. And that's what I grew up kind of hearing. So in a way, that's how I speak as well. So I had to kind of tailor how I spoke to him and kind of be like, OK, let me change how I talk so that he can be receptive to listening to me. And those are things you don't see talked about on TV. You know, your your parents mm-hmm. don't talk about, well, let me tell you about how when me and your daddy got together, you know, how the problems that we had or how we resolved them or I was like this and he was like this and then we, we had to figure out how to make that work. You know, mm-hmm. because some people just tend to deal with conflict in a different way. Some people will get in the car and leave and be gone for 30 or 45 minutes and then they'll come back and be like, all right, I can talk now, you know? And yeah, so it's like yeah. dealing with that and understanding what ways to resolve conflicts work for you. And that's mm-hmm. been something that I've had to kind of change in my romantic relationship is just asking people. I ask people straight up now, how are you with arguments? Are you a yeller? Cause I don't deal with yelling or do you curse at the person? Cause do not curse at me. That's I'm going to shut down. If you start calling me MFs and bitches now, Oh no, no, no. We're, we're not going to do that in an argument. Like let's, mm-hmm. let's not do that. Mm-hmm. So having those conversations and understanding how people have grown up resolving conflicts and how that carries over into romantic relationships and figuring out what's going to work for me and mm. how to express that in the dating portion of meeting somebody, somebody before you get into something serious. Interesting. I actually saw a similar dynamic play out in the ultimatum, um, the queer, the queer ultimatum. Yes. Did you watch the season? Yeah. Oh, yes. so, it was good, honey. <laughs> oh, it was so good. But so do you remember with Aussie and Mildred, how Aussie would kind of shut down when she felt like Mildred was yelling? Yes. That was so interesting to see that dynamic play out. Um, but one of the things, well, there are a couple of things that I found really interesting about the show that I think are relevant here when talking about expectations. It was so interesting to me how so many, so many of the couples, even though they're in a queer relationship, they still held kind of traditional norms or expectations around gender. Mm -hmm. Um, and gender roles in the relationship, which was so interesting. And then also, similarly, they had very traditional views on relationship structure, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can only be in love with one person at a time. If not, it's a huge problem. It was really interesting. And to me, that kind of highlights like, you know, we really don't do a lot of really interrogating what are our expectations and figuring out do they actually work for us right Right. we try to squeeze ourselves into a box that somebody else designed and i'm like i don't what if i don't want to be in a box right right and then it's like asking questions too like i think i've said this before in other episodes everybody doesn't want to be married Mm -hmm. and 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 for some people the constructs of marriage do not work for them and there's nothing wrong with that. But we've been raised to believe when you get to a certain age, you're supposed to get married. You know, and if you're 40, 45, people are looking at you like, why are you not married? You know, like, what's wrong with you? And it's like, well, nothing's wrong with me. I'm happy. Like, I don't mm-hmm. I don't need to be married. Or I may just decide that partnership long term is fine with me. 
I don't want to be married, you know, and it's just, we have to figure out sometimes and ask ourselves, where do these ideals come from? You know, who told us that we have to do these things by a certain age, do this this way. It's got to look like this to be right when it's like, Mm -hmm. no, why don't you do what feels right for you? What works for you? Mm -hmm. And that's, I think because of those social constructs, people are not very honest when they get into marriages. Monogamy does not work for everybody, period. And it's having those conversations when you get into relationship and saying, hey, monogamy doesn't work for me. Uh, You know, if you know you've been cheating in every relationship you've been in, monogamy may not be the thing for you. You may have to figure out what works for you and being honest so that you can attract the people that are looking for the exact things that you want. I think the problem becomes when you are dating someone that expects traditional relationships and you know in the back of your mind that those things don't work for you, but you're Mm. just doing it because society says it should be this way. So that's the way I'm going to do it, even though you know it's not going to work for you. And I Mm -hmm. think we could reduce a lot of the divorce rate if people were just honest about what works for them. If you said, hey, look, I do good for about five years. And then I'm off. <laughs> you know, I do, I do my own thing. And that mm-hmm. way somebody can decide, you know what? A five-year relationship might work for me right now. You know, yeah. you can find the people that want exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. But because we are so tied to these expectations of what people are saying is the social norm, we're hurting people because we think that we have to say these things in order for people to be willing to date us. You know, mm-hmm. if you date somebody, if, if you say, you know what, marriage really ain't for me, a lot of folks going to be like, check, please. Um, that, that really is not what I want. But if you're open and honest, now you've given that person the opportunity for a choice to decide for themselves. And then you can leave the window and the door open for people that actually are looking for what you're looking for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And sometimes our expectations are not necessarily just about trying to get someone to date us or be attracted to us, you know, for whatever reason, sometimes it's like, we think it's just the right thing to do. Right. I know I kind of had that experience. I mean, we've talked so much about the church and Mm -hmm. different teachings about relationships. And I thought it was just the right thing to do. You know, Mm -hmm. it wasn't about trying to get somebody else to like me. Okay. Okay. Um, It was more about like, am I doing the right thing according to like God or the church, Mm. which I guess ultimately that is trying to get God to like me, right? Like that's trying to get somebody to like me. Right. Um, But I'm thinking it's the right thing to do. So even thinking about what you were saying about conflict and conflict resolution and what does that look like in a healthy relationship, ultimately the teachings from the church is that if as long as long as you don't get divorced, you're fine. Right. You know, right. like that's kind of that's what you need to be worried about and concerned about. It wasn't mm-hmm. about having healthy interactions and learning one another and expressing your preferences. No, you're not supposed to have your own individual preferences on what you want. You're not even supposed to be trying to make yourself happy. Like that's right. not what relationships are about, you know, especially when you get into the, like the really conservative churches and conservative doctrine. Um, that I was kind of raised within Baptist churches. It's not about being happy. Um, and so it was definitely challenging to have to kind of flip that switch, which I did. I had to flip that switch in order to be able to really leave 
um, that relationship, but really examine like, did I decide to do this for myself? Does this work for me? You Mm -hmm. know? Um, and again, it's kind of things, it's funny how things in the church or doctrines, these, these harmful doctrines were reinforced. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's even when I think about, does this work for me? Well, you're not supposed to be thinking about what works for you anyway. Right. So there's so many layers, there's so many layers, but if you just give yourself permission to think about what actually works for me, you know, right. Right. Um, then I think like you, can uncover some really interesting things. Right. And I think it's true too, to, to, to really think about we've been so led to, to think that God wants everyone to be married. Mm. And that's not true. It's not true. It's biblically untrue. There are some people to where God is like, no, my assignment for you is to do these things and you'll do these things alone for your whole life. Like, and I think that's something that, a lot of people are afraid to talk about like some people, your life ordained by God is to be in your singleness for the entire time, you know, and, and it's just for you to pursue your life's purpose, your mission or the things that you're here to do, but it's not going to be with somebody else because I think we don't talk about how being in a marriage will, will take away from times for you to pursue your purpose because mm-hmm. ultimately that relationship is going to take away from those times where you are like, well, I need to put my head down and be focused on what I believe is my purpose. I can't do that if I'm in a relationship. Mm-hmm. I can't go out of the country and be gone for six months on some mission trip if I'm married and I have kids that that need me and support me and I have to do these things. It'll take away from that. So I think even in the church, we have to stop this belief that, everybody's supposed to be married and everybody's Mm -hmm. supposed to be in partnership. That's just not true, you know? And, and it's just living and understanding that the voice that you should be listening to ultimately is the voice of God and not what other people think, not other social constructs, just uh, what is he saying to you and what feels right with your relationship with him? You know, I knew that there were going to be seasons of my life to where I was going to be single. And I'm okay with that. Like, I'm good with it. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I'm at peace yeah. with it. And I don't think we talk about that enough. You know, everything yeah. is, oh, wait, you're not married? Because I, I can't tell you how many people have come up to me at church and been like, so are you going to get married again? You know, are you going to, you know, what, what's going to happen? And I'm like, Essie is good. Like, mm-hmm. don't, please don't think mm-hmm. that Essie is not having a wonderful time with her life right now. I don't have to be married right now to be happy. And, and that may not be God's assignment for me right now. And I'm Mm -hmm. not looking for that until it lines up properly with my life until I know that that peace and happiness, right? Exactly. Because why does it have to be that if you're happy, you have to be seeking something else? Exactly. Exactly. But a lot of people find that very strange. Like, oh, wait, what do you mean? You're not looking for a man. You're not looking for another husband. You know, it's like. No, I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm not actively looking for that. I'm actively living my life. And when that person comes in, then it'll be like, okay, well, this is the way it's supposed to happen. But I'm not out here. God, send me a man. God, send me a husband. Like, no, when the time is right, that'll come, you know, but for now, I'm very happy with my life. Like things are really good. And I think once we get away from these expectations that society puts on us, that if you're not you know, with someone that you're somehow strange or something is wrong with you. You know, when I tell people I've been single for three to four years, like, (gasps) what? 
what I mean, you okay? Everything good? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. what do you mean? Why I can't be happy with just me? Like it's it's strange that I'm not that I've been single for this long. Like I don't see why that should be a problem, but you wouldn't do that when with anybody else. You know, it's just these these social constructs to where we feel like you can't be by yourself. You can't, you can't, you have to be linked up with somebody else to be, to be happy and to be at peace and to have joy in your life. And I think we have to really look into where those expectations come from and mm-hmm. then make sure that we don't impose those on ourselves. You got people out here really depressed because they're not in a relationship when it's like, girl, don't <laughs> depressed. What? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, um, one of the things you said was about like listening to God. So it's funny when I was really in the church, I had this idea that what God was telling me was automatically the opposite of what mm. I wanted or desired, right? There are these different scriptures that are preached about how the heart is deceitful, right? And lean not on your own understanding, um, you know, and denying your flesh. And so I really disconnected God's voice and my voice. But one of the things that I've done on my journey is understanding that my voice that I hear and my desires come from God. Yeah. Have to be separate. Yeah. Actually it's not like that wouldn't make any sense. Didn't right. God give that to me or do I believe that? You know, not everybody's gonna have that belief, but a way that I've still been able to maintain that spiritual relationship is understanding like my voice comes from God. My understanding yes. comes from somewhere so I can lean on that. Yes. My heart and my desires, they're going to lead me to something. I don't have mm-hmm. to deny that. I don't have to try to seek something separate outside of myself. Right. Figure out what I need to be doing. Like mm-hmm. maybe I desire something means that that would be good for me, that that thing is something that would bring me peace and bring me joy. I don't have right. to any further than that I can let my heart lead me in that way Mm -hmm. and then once you get led that way you don't owe anybody an explanation for making that decision for yourself you know it's so much the outside influence will be like well were you sure that was God yeah I was sure I'm 100% sure I have a relationship with him he talks to me in a special way like I know when it's him and I'm good with it and just knowing that you can make those decisions without worrying about what the expectations of others are and just listening to the voice that you know, having that established relationship, going out and meditating and just being in those quiet spaces and allowing God to speak to you, you'll know where you need to go. And you won't have to worry about what anybody else thinks, what anybody else's expectations are for your decision. It's, it's what you have done in community with God for yourself. And making those decisions. And you know, you know that that's what it is when you feel that peace, when you're like, okay, I'm good with this. You know, I'm, I'm at a, a, the best right now in my life. I'm the best I've ever been, you know, and I know this because I have a close relationship with God. And I remember you saying, you know, in one of the previous podcasts that after divorce, your relationship with God actually got stronger. You know, you, you got to experience God in a more intimate and deeper level beyond the marriage, you know? And I think we have to look at that and see the blessing of that sometimes, just when we have the opportunity to really just be by ourselves and connect and not have any other outside influence and just being being like, it's me and you, God. 
And I understand what your voice is. I understand when you're leading me and I don't have to look at anybody else's thoughts, anybody else's opinions, because I've already made peace because I know that that voice came from you. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. And just and that has been a big part. Just examining where my expectations come from in that regard has been mm -hmm. a big part of my healing and also my journey in moving forward and figuring out, OK, what do I want to do now? Because listen, we all have expectations, right? But it's a matter of bringing them to the forefront for our awareness so mm -hmm. we can have better experiences in, re in relationships. Mm -hmm. um, so just what are some things you think would be helpful for people as they're trying to discover or build up some new norms or practices for themselves in terms of relationships? I would say first, just listen to yourself. And understand, you know, what feels right for you. Uh, you and I have talked about this on other episodes about listening to your body and just really being in tune. I had a conversation this weekend with a good friend and she had gone out on a date and the date went terrible. And I said, you knew before you had that date with him that he was not right. She's mm. like, yeah, I, I, I knew. And I said, and the problem is you didn't listen to that voice. You didn't listen to your body. When you had that physical response to, I don't think this is right for me, and you blew it off. And we have to get to a point to where we develop that muscle, where we listen to that intuition. We listen to when we have a physical response to something. When our bodies say, no, get in tune with that. Get in line, you know, and, and follow it and say, no, I know this is not right for me, even though I wanted to do the benefit of the doubt thing. I know that this isn't right. And so I'm choosing not to go that way because I now listen to that muscle. I now understand when it feels this way, I'm going to listen to it and, and make that be the driver of my decision. So that would be one of the first things that I would say. And then just to really look at the patterns that work for you and, and understanding that those patterns that you want to have for your life that bring you peace don't have to be built on what society is telling you. You know, you may want a sensitive man. You know, some women are like, I don't want a man that cries. Baby, I want a man that cries. Mm. I want you to come home and feel that you can release in front of me. If mm -hmm. you don't want to do it outside in the world, I want you to be able to come home and cry to me. I want to be able to wipe mm -hmm. your tears. I want to be able for us to sit down and work through whatever it needs to do. How can I support you? I want an emotionally healthy man, you know? And so it's just... Knowing that I want that and looking for that in in my dating life, I will ask a man, "When was the last time you cried?" Hmm. And if he says to me, "I don't really do that crying thing," you know, blah blah blah. I had a guy tell me, "Yeah, I didn't even cry at my dad's funeral." What? <laughs> like if that's a flex? What? What? Like that's a flex? Like no, sir. That that to me means you are a walking emotional time bomb. What other ways are you getting those emotions out? Because if you're not crying them out, I guarantee you there is another negative way you are getting it out. You're mm. either drinking too much, you're smoking, you're you're having a, a, a ridiculous amounts of sex that are not good for your body. There is some other way that you are finding a way to get those emotions out that's not healthy. Mm. You know, if you're mm. not talking about it, crying about it, letting it out, then I know that's a problem and it's going to be a problem in a relationship. So I ask a lot of questions about how people handle their emotions. I want somebody to tell me, yeah, I cried last month or I cried when my son brought me a card and I thought it was really sweet. You know, 
I know that I like a, a physical connection. So I mm-hmm. want to know, are you okay with hugs? Are you okay with, you know, me touching you in a way that society may not consider to be manly, you know? Mm-hmm. So I want someone that is not, you know, committed to those social norms. Cause I, I told you, I feel like whatever we're both better at, then that's what we should do. Mm-hmm. Every woman's not a good cook. Every man is not good at cars. Every, every some men are, are book nerds and they'd much rather drink a glass of wine than watch sports. You know, that doesn't make them any less of a man. That doesn't make a woman any less of a woman if she can't cook or she can't do things that society considers, oh, this is what women do. So I would tell people to ask those questions. First, figure out what works for you. What makes you happy in relationships? What would that look like for you? And then look for partners that can meet you at those points. And once you establish what you know feels good for you, then that's how you can lead when you're dating. That's how you can Mm -hmm. lead your questions when you go on those first dates. Ask the questions that you know are going to fit in with the norms that work for you. I don't want to beat my chest type of dude. That's just not the type of guy that I'm looking for. Now, I don't want to feel like you can't hold your own in a fight, but <laughs> but, I, but I don't want to feel like one day you're going to fight me physically. Exactly. You know? yeah. And so I just think we have to really spend a lot more time just really digging in and understanding what relationship will look like for us as individuals and not what society places as gender norms, but understanding I want to be in a relationship that plays to both of our strengths, no matter what society says should be the role of genders, but just how do we bring into this relationship? It's just good humans, two Mm -hmm. people that are willing to do whatever it takes to have a successful and healthy relationship. That's big. We we have to give ourselves permission to explore what works for us. Yes. Especially when it falls outside of the box, right? It falls outside of those norms that we're encouraged to follow by, again, like we said, society, parents, church members, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a big step to think about what do we actually want? And for a lot of people, when you think about that, you might not know initially. Right. Because not always encouraged to think about what you want. Right. So take the time to think about what do you actually want and understand and be okay with the fact that that might change over time. Like that's right. normal, that's natural, and you have permission to do something different then. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, give yourself permission to change your mind. Like <laughs> like you said, you know, just give yourself the opportunity to just really explore and just take time and figure out what works for you. There's no time limit on it. You know, there, there are no hard and fast rules, but just do what you feel is right for you and take some time to figure that out for yourself. And it doesn't have to look like anybody else's relationship. You know, I think like you said, it's best when we kind of step outside the box. I love relationships that are out of the box. When you see two people that you're like, I would have never put them together, but they work. You know, Mm -hmm. I love to see that type of thing, you know, because it's like, we don't have to to put things together in the way that society says it should look. What it should look like is happy. What it should mm-hmm. look like is joy. And I love when I see a couple walk through the room and you see the light in their eyes. I have a, a friend that, you know, whenever she and her husband are together and they've been together for years, I still can see the joy when they walk in a room, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that. that's, that's what happiness is about. Nobody cares who's doing what. Are y'all happy? Are y'all at peace? Mm. hard stop 
The end. Love that. Yeah. Love that. The end. Love ending right there. Right. <laughs> you said it. You All said right. It. Well, do we want to move to the coaching corner now? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. I want to give folks some practical advice. Um, Sometimes people ask me, um, they'll say, I want to get divorced. What's the first step? You know, it can feel Mm -hmm. overwhelming to people, you know, when you think about all the potential things you could have to do. I would say, you know, I thought about this for myself because I was trying to think, what was my first step? And I really think my first step in the process was, changing my mind um, Mm. and my mindset, Um, kind of what we've talked about with expectations. So much of the way I was approaching my relationship was because I thought I should approach it in a certain way. And I also thought that things I was experiencing were normal um, or if maybe it wasn't normal that I should continue to endure, right? Like that the suffering, um, and the heartache that I was experiencing was okay. I had to change my mind about that. I had to say, actually, that's not okay. Right. And I had to change my mind about, you know, I think God actually would not be okay with this either. Right. Um, once I was able to change my mind about those things, then the actions that I took felt more solid and I was able to take steps more confidently because at the end of the day, when you're getting divorced, there's some things I could say do, right? Like we talked about the financial preparation, reaching out to a lawyer, that type of thing. But if you haven't changed your mindset that you had when you entered the relationship, you're going to end up right back in that relationship, whether it's with the same person or whether it's with someone else. Because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you would be the same person. And so, again, this is not to victim blame anyone here, right? Like, we're not, I'm not saying it's your fault that you've experienced abuse if if that's what your experience has been. But there are some ways that we can change things for ourselves moving forward and make the divorce process feel a lot more peaceful for us if our mind has changed and we're now in a place where we know that we deserve better and we mm-hmm. commit to giving that to ourselves 100%. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. I've even said just to add to that, I've told people too, even if after you get a divorce, you change your mind and you want to go back, that's okay too. Mm -hmm. You know, people get remarried all the time, you know, and sometimes you will leave from the marriage, get divorced and get better apart and then Mm -hmm. return and then come back and then have a beautiful love story about how, yeah, we were two messes in the first marriage. And then we, Mm. we had some time apart. We got ourselves together. We healed, we matured. And then we came back because our love was able to endure it. And I'm a firm believer. If things are meant to be, they will be. Yeah, and you all are meant to come back and be happy in a healthy and loving relationship. It'll happen. There's no mm-hmm. rule that says there's a cutoff on how many times you can get remarried or divorced. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I've right. actually seen couples. I've actually seen couples get divorced and come back and get, and get married again and have a beautiful love story. So, if you're at that point where you make a decision for yourself that this is the end, that doesn't mean that your love story necessarily has to end with that person. You could come back. So it's just Mm -hmm. making the choice for yourself at that time that you know, this is not right right now. Yeah. And it's the best 
Fun fact, I told my ex-spouse, well, this is before we got divorced, but I was like, maybe we could get back together in the future, you know? Really? I did. I did. (laughs) I did. And, you know, and it's interesting because I meant that, but I meant, like, if he was the person that I knew that I needed. Like, people, Mm -hmm. people ask me that, like, well, what if he makes all these changes? I'm like, well, then that's great. Yeah. But then also, if he were to make all those changes, he would understand and be understanding of why I need to do this right now. Right. Yeah. Like it wouldn't be a tool of manipulation of, well, you know, well, I might change tomorrow and you wouldn't know because you left. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, it's not that. It's no, like I have certain things that I'm looking for that I need. If you can't provide them now, cool if you can provide them later which is what i told him at that time you know then maybe we could reconsider that now he's blocked on everything so i don't know <laughs> you had a whole block party okay <laughs> oh, a whole block party a whole block party so i don't know so but now nah, that that door is closed for me yeah officially I but I but yeah it's 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 more about knowing what i need and can somebody yeah. fulfill that yeah i love it i love it all right, that's our coaching corner. So you want to move to, you got an aisle seat or a window seat for this week? I have a window seat. I've been giving window seats. I just yeah, been you feeling been, like. Been, everybody get a window. You like Oprah. You like, you get a window? You get a window? No, <laughs> no not everybody. Not everybody? <laughs> not everybody. But today, I'm, so I've just really been thinking about what am I enjoying, you know? Mm-hmm. So this week. I don't think we've talked about her on the podcast, but I want to give the window seat to Tabitha Brown. Oh, Auntie Tab. What's Auntie up? Auntie Tab, Miss Tab. Yeah. I have really enjoyed watching her journey over the past few years. And mm-hmm. one of the things that strikes me every time I hear her talk, most recently it was on um, Amanda Seals podcast. Um, her authenticity really comes through Um, whenever I hear her talk about her journey and her experience. And I I also really appreciate how she embraces spirituality and what that means for her, even Mm -hmm. though she's from the South and was raised in a really conservative traditional church, she is able to embrace some aspects of her spirituality that don't jive with the teachings, those, you know, the conservative things that she was taught. And I really appreciate seeing examples of that. People Mm -hmm. who can, you know, who have those backgrounds, but understand like I'm doing things a little bit differently, right? And really just seeing how that has um, spurred her on on her journey. It's just, it's super inspiring. And so just as somebody also raised in the church and figuring out spirituality and knowing that that looks different from what I was taught growing up, it's it's very inspiring to see um, someone else who is on that same journey and that, how that has worked out for them. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Give it up for Auntie Tab, you know, because mm-hmm. that's her business. That's her business. Because that's her business. I love that. <laughs> I that's, love it. Too. Yeah. I love it. Well, I got a window seat this week, y'all. Okay, you know, I've, been, I've been busting the aisles a lot, so I got a window seat. And my window seat goes to blue. Yes, Beyonce Ooh. and Jay Z's Blue. Love you know, it. Blue been out here on the concert, giving you, giving you moves. You know, she's out here doing it, and you know, like people still be hating. You know, they be hating on her moves and saying, you know, she not getting into it in the first few concerts. But 
as the concerts have gone, Blue has gotten looser. She's mm-hmm. out there doing the thing. And I love it. I love how at the most recent concert, they had the blue balloons. Uh, yes. And it was so cute to see her reaction when she finished doing the moves. And she looked and she saw the balloons. And she was like, oh, like she had this little cute face. I just love her spirit. I just love how she embraces life and she's just so cute and she just looks like somebody I would love to just hang out with, you know, just have a little tea. Come on, Blue, let's sit down here and just talk about life. How are you feeling? How How is it to be, you know, the child of Beyonce and Jay-Z? You know, I just, mm-hmm. I love Blue. I love her spirit. I think it's pretty awesome that she's out on stage performing with her mom. And it's it's so cute to see Beyonce look over at her with like these beaming lights of joy like look at my baby you know Mm -hmm. I love it I love it so my window seat goes to blue and all of her amazingness and I can't wait for us to just continue to see how she continues to grow and blossom as she grows up I love that I hope she performs on the Houston stop I'm going I hope so too I figure come on it's H-Town B I mean you gotta bring blue out for the hometown I'm trying to see blue I hope so. I hope so. I know she's going to steal the show, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I th- I feel like she's already done it. It's Blues Tour right now. This is, you know, it's 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 Blues Renaissance Tour. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Well, well right, thank y'all. y'all so much for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. As always, we would love to hear from you. Let us know what you thought about the episode. Reach out to us on Instagram at love is a trip podcast you can send us your questions your coaching questions or if it's an idea you want us to break down more for a full episode let us know please let us know all right y'all talk to you on the next trip